phase is locked and ready to fire, sir. Illogical. Hello and welcome back to Federation Radio. It's me, your host, Floyd, once again. So today we covered the episode Balance of Terror, Season 1, Episode 15 of the original series. And Balance of Terror is really cool because it's the very, very first, I want to say Romulan episode, but it might be the very first mention of Romulans at all. I don't even think we've had reference to them yet. So this was probably the very first time that any of the Star Trek writers imagined one of the big, like, rivals of the Federation. Although, I will say they're very different in this era. Well, not very different, but they're much more militaristic. And I'll, I'll, I'll go more into that when I talk about Romulans later. But, like, Romulans at this point seem a lot more like Romans. They're even wearing these, like, cloth, purple, um jackets that kind of look like togas they go across the top of what looks like battle armor it's kind of this weird sparkly almost looks like chain mail but you can kind of tell it's not chain mail i don't know if it's meant to be like cheap theater props to make it look like chain mail or whether it was always supposed to be cloth looking like chain mail as more as an aesthetic thing i don't really know but I actually really like the purple toga things that they had over the top. That's something that I'm pretty sure they took away later on that kind of seems like a shame. I would have liked to have seen that being updated for the movies and stuff later, but anyway. So this episode, it actually starts off really weird. There's, there's like a little, I guess you'd call it a wedding, except there was a bunch of people, or couples walking together, so it almost seemed like it was like the captain was officiating a couple weddings at once, but whatever. It was interesting, I will say, there was one, like, big shield in the background of what looked like, I don't know, a hall or a church or something on the ship. And in that room, there was a big shield, a big wooden shield up behind Kirk on the podium. And it had, it looked like, a, you know, like a knight's old wooden shield, like they do with a lot of logos. And then within it, it had two symbols. On one side was what looked to me like a crucifix, some kind of, like, christian church of some kind i i think they were trying to noticeably be vague about which kind of cross it was but it was some kind of cross and on the other side was starfleet the like starfleet logo which was interesting because it's one of the few times like we do talk about religions in the past of humanity in star trek but usually in star trek it's more of a historical point of view i think other than a couple off mentions here and there in the original series like there's very rarely mentions of any religion on earth so seeing it exist in space on the ship at this point was interesting especially given that i know gene roddenberry himself the creator of star trek was very against having um too much religion on the show to the point where I remember reading that the studio, back when they first approved Star Trek, actually wanted to put, as one of the senior members of his advisors to Kirk, a bishop, or some kind of, like, Christian person like that, with the assumption that, you know, 1960s America, most people were Christian, most people wanted Christian values in their shows. So there was this assumption that, oh, humans in space, based on loosely U.S., style government going to space of course there's going to be christianity but that was one of the things roddenberry was quite often like yeah no not having that in my show which is why it's interesting that there were things like this but if i had to guess this was probably a studio like 
you don't have to talk about religion much, but we'll make you bring it up now and again or drop a symbol this many times to be approved. Like I said, 1960s America, what do you expect? I feel like this was a compromise deal to get that on the background. And like I said, it was a very quick scene where he was about to be doing a few weddings, and then they get a red alert because they get a message from the neutral border, or the neutral zone, which is the border region between the Romulan Star Empire and the Federation. Although at this point, interestingly, they were calling the neutral... Uh, what do they call them? The outposts on the neutral zone, or Federation outposts on the neutral zone, I think they usually called later. But it's like a line of little outposts, little star bases, little listening posts on the moons, scanners, all that sort of stuff to make sure the Romulans, who of course have stealth technology, are not sneaking across the border or sending in a full invasion force without anyone being able to give warning to anyone in the Federation. And while we never see it confirmed, it kind of seems like the Romulans have an equivalent line of listening posts and satellite dishes and all the things that we do as well on their side of the neutral border to assure we're not doing the same. But it's one of those areas that throughout Star Trek, you're going to hear a lot about the Romulan neutral zone. It is a zone that exists, I'm trying to think, right through as far as I know, it still exists in all of the Star Trek shows. Like It is just a thing. And it's a zone we'll visit a lot. A lot of things happen on the Romulan neutral zone, and there's a lot of weird things there. But for the most part, the Romulan Empire is one of these big rivals of the Federation that is supposed to be, like the name sort of insinuates, Romulan Empire. It's very similar to Rome, and they dress and act, well, very similar. Like Centurion, they use ranks like Centurion, and they have a senate that is very overbearing of their lives, and everyone has their duty to serve, and they're almost like their Roman legionnaires in space rather than a usual empire. Which is fine, and it's actually a really interesting concept. I like the idea of space Romans, basically. Now, the interesting thing that we get very early on in the episode about Romulans is they get a message that the Romulan neutral zones stations have been attacked and this is what i was getting at before they called them earth outposts now it's true that when the first romulan earth war happened it was still an earth romulan war because the federation hadn't technically been formed or i think it had just very early been formed like it wasn't really a thing like the war did happen but it wasn't like it wasn't a federation romulan war it was romulans basically starting a war to try and stop the federation forming or getting strength and when it established very early in that conflict that it would be unable to stop it, they decided to instead organize a border, which is where the neutral zone came in. That was the agreed upon point, and either side would pass. And up until Kirk's time in this episode, I think it's meant to have been about 100 years since then, um, they haven't come across. This is the first like real indication we have of any contact with the Romulans in a very long time. They had that war with us, they crossed back across the agreed zone, as far as we're aware, they're stuck to the rules and they've just stayed there this whole time. But this is the first... Like, the whole time I was thinking while I was watching this how much this feels like a Next Generation episode. This episode, the storyline, the Romulan border, the captains basically having a mind game against each other and playing a game of chess and strategy and tactics against each other. This is very... It feels like a Picard episode, but it's... It's inter- I never realized until I rewatched this now just how much of the next generation and other Romulan stuff is based on this episode. E- except, I will say, there's one weird thing with the Romulan ship in this. 
The Romulan ship has some kind of new weapon. It fires a plasma, it just looks like a big plasma ball. And from the damage we see on the outposts, when Kirk shows up to have a look at the damaged outpost to try and work out what's happened, and confirm Starfleet's fears that the Romulans might be behind it, they find that the station was attacked with a weapon, it fired once, and it blew through and caused some kind of weird implosion effect that caused even the densest metals they have that was over the shield around this base to just explode and fall apart. So they determined very quickly that hitting a starship would be just as bad, would vent half the ship to space very quickly, so whatever weapon this is, they don't want to be touched by it. Very quickly the Romulans actually come back because Kirk makes contact with a survivor on one of the stations and the Romulans fire on the station while Kirk's in contact with it and kill the guy. So now we're in this interesting situation though where we actually get some scenes from the Romulan point of view when at first Spock ends up hacking into their computer. Well not their computer, he hacks into their communications because a centurion on board the Romulan ship decides to send a mission complete message to the Romulan, I guess, Senate. He keeps saying Praetorian, which I'm pretty sure is like a Roman term for like Praetorian or I think it's like the, what do you call it? It'd be like the Prime Minister equivalent in a modern day. It's like the Senators that are picked by the Senate in an internal vote to be their representatives in times of chaos to speak for the whole Senate when they don't have time to debate things. I think they're usually called consoles, but I think they can be praetors. It's been a while since I studied Roman history. I apologize. It probably is an actual term for that, but that's what I think they're talking about. So one of the Centurions messages back on subspace, hey, we've completed our mission for the Praetorian or whatever. And that's what Kirk's ship picks up, and that's what Spock ends up sort of hacking into where it came from and using the signals or however he did it. And he says, I believe I can establish visual contact with their bridge captain. Now, mind you, this is actually a big moment. Because in the war I mentioned earlier, when the Romulans have interfered with the Alpha Quadrant before, they've never revealed themselves. Now, we've seen their ships, but they've never had face-to-face contact. They've never done communications with us. And in the entire war, none of their bodies were ever covered. And there was never any face-to-face combat. It all happened in ships. It all happened in the dead of space, everyone picked up their dead, no one got any scans. Now, presumably the Romulans know what we all look like because they're sort of... We see straight away, once there's a suspicion of Romulans being around, everyone's getting concerned about spies, which is the first time we've heard about spies being a problem in the Federation. Which tells you straight away that, like, yeah, the Romulan reputation they have in the later shows of being basically a spy agency with a state instead of the state spy agency because they use so many spies is still true. Even a hundred years before Next Generation, very true. Seems like their spies are everywhere and there's sort of just an expectation from the Federation side that anything they do is being monitored and that the Romulans could be anywhere listening to anything. But it's interesting because when Spock opens the channel, we find the Romulans look an awful lot like Vulcans. And that immediately gets a reaction from this guy, uh, what was his name? Mr. Styles, who is currently on the bridge on the con. Con, that is, not the com. He's not doing communications, he's driving the ship. And he has an immediate response because, as he sort of mentioned offhandedly in a scene earlier, he says, hey, my parents died in the Romulan War, we can't trust Romulans. We should attack now. If this is them starting a war, we need to tell Starfleet and we need to go in. And he's like advocating Kirk to go in 
be aggressive, like go kill them. He wants revenge. Kirk sort of talks him down, but then when the screen opens up and everyone sees that the Romulan captain and the Romulans look a hell of a lot like Vulcans in battle armor, he turns around and it's the first time we sort of see this, but there's a bit of um, not just joking like xenophobia on the bridge. He sort of says, why don't you ask the science officer Spock? Seems he knows more than he was letting on about and that's making like snide comments at him all the time. Now, Kirk shuts that shit down immediately and says he will not have anyone questioning Spock's, you know, loyalty in any way. He won't stand for it. And Spock points out that it's very likely upon seeing what he's seeing that the Romulans are an offshoot of the Vulcans, which he even says might make some sense given some of their history based on the fact that, as he mentions, Vulcans had a colonist, a colonizer period of aggression and violence in their history where they were extremely dangerous, and he says, even to the point where it would make your own Earth history look tame. He says, if Romulans share even half of that level of anger and violence within them, as I believe they would as a Vulcan offshoot, then I would have to agree with Mr. Stiles that aggression might be the best way to solve this. Which is interesting. Getting from Mr. Spock, the calmest man on the bridge, and probably the most hesitant to ever fire the weapons, or be the aggressor in any situation is now telling Kirk, you need to go in and attack. Everything you know about Vulcans is what we evolved into, what we were before, is a monster, and Romulans look like they're a part of that monster. And that's a whole, like, imagine fighting, I don't even know how to fathom it, like, imagine fighting the world wars and never seeing a German soldier, never having any photographs of a German ever. They attacked at night, like, it's, it's hard to even think logistically how it would work on a planet, I guess. In space, there's enough, well, space, that you could theoretically do that. If you don't have a way to scan their ships and work out where they are, I mean, space is huge. Once you lose sight of them, wars could easily happen Black Ops style where nobody actually knows who's attacking. But to never show their face while fighting a war and then a century, an entire century goes by since that war and that agreement that they did presumably over the radio because audio only, they didn't do any visual. They've never spoken to anyone. They've never been sighted. All those listening posts on their border have apparently never once picked up any of their signals that could be backtracked and hacked into. Nobody knows what they look like. And I find that insane. I can't imagine fighting a nation or an empire and not even knowing what their people look like. That it blows my mind. It really does. It's, it's a weird concept, and I kind of love that they did that. I al- It almost makes me wish in this first episode that they hadn't revealed the Romulans, and that had been a sort of ongoing gag that like the Romulans just never get shown. Or they get shown like in a big moment in a movie, but I don't know. They show them. I kind of like that it built this weird, almost mistrust between humans and Vulcans, but it's sort of talked down real quick by, by Kirk, which is great, because Vulcans... While they are shady and they aren't always to be trusted, for the most part across Star Trek, you can take a Vulcan at their word. But this episode becomes a weird... This Romulan ship doesn't have a warp drive for whatever reason. Now, and this is just me being a nerd with my knowledge in the universe, but the Romulans are actually interesting in the later depictions, like about a century from now in the Next Generation stuff, they're very famous for having a um, different kind of engine to everyone else. Almost everyone in the galaxy uses some variation of the warp engine, which is matter-antimatter reaction warp speed technology. 
like I said, nearly every species we come in contact with throughout the show, including the Cleons, all use this type of engine at energy generation. It seems to be the norm. It seems to be what most species access. They do it sometimes in slightly different ways, but usually that's the basis of it. Now, the Romulans in Next Generation and onwards actually use singularity drives, which are apparently miniature stars, basically, in a box. It's like a proper fusion generator. So they've always had different power systems. It doesn't come up very often, but it is a really interesting difference from the Romulans to everyone else. And I actually think it makes sense because of all the species out there, like the Federation gains new technology because it's inquisitive and because it really, what do you call it? Like it supports the creative people. It sends all of their best minds and science and all these different fields through the Starfleet Academy, science industries. There's so much basis and help to get creativity pumping because they know, you know, the Federation is basically a technocracy. Everyone is equal, but technology is king. Everyone wants more tech. It's what makes their lives comfy. It's what keeps them safe. And they love it. It's their thing. Now, the Klingons, not that we've really talked about Klingons yet, but the Klingons are more an aggressive species. So a lot of their technology is reverse engineering the, te the technological advances of lesser species that they have conquered. Or things that they have taken in a raid or whatever, because, you know, Klingons are much more like sort of Vikings that way. Whereas the Federation's more like a proper republic, democracy type thing that goes through safety, security, and technology. Whereas the Romulans, now the Romulans are interesting because they're an almost isolationist power. Now we do know they conquer some worlds and they do have lesser species, well... Not lesser, but in their eyes, lesser species that work for them and are under their command in the Empire. But it sort of seems like they only conquer weaker species, or species where they're almost guaranteed to win. They're not often the sort of enemy that attacks someone head-on in a fight. They like to always know they're going to win, and if they don't know they're going to win, they would rather use their spies to destabilize their enemy and weaken them, rather than fight an uphill battle. Then they'll just come in once their enemy's fallen apart and conquer what's left. That's the type of enemy they are. So an isolationist type culture like that is always going to have different technology because they don't trade. They don't steal. They don't create. They don't share. Everything they have is made by themselves. And that is, just like real life, both a strength and a weakness. It's a strength because your technology is different. No one else quite understands it. So when it comes to war... It's unique, no one knows how it works. That gives you a hell of a lot of advantages in a lot of fields. However, reversely, it also means no one else in the galaxy can help you fix it if you have any damn problems, and you need to rely on your own people, which means your people are on their own a lot, and a lot of issues can come up. But like I said, it does tend to lead people, like everyone uses the warp engine, and presumably that's just because there is so many species using the warp engine that this idea of warp technology is traded and sent through and shared through visitors all through the galaxy for millennia. We know there are some species like the Vulcan that have been in space for well over a thousand years. They have made contact with all sorts of species. Like Warp technology and the idea of even just seeing how those ships move would alter society's view on starships and they would change it. Whereas the Romulans because of their aggressive and isolationist nature, didn't see warp drive. It wasn't really a goal for them, and they wanted to do something different. So they come out with this singularity drive. Now, the reason I went on that big nerdy tangent was because in this episode, the Romulan ship can only move at impulse. It doesn't have a warp drive, but it doesn't yet have a singularity drive. 
which I found interesting. Now, I don't know if that's because this is a prototype ship and it was most of its energy generation was being focused into this new super weapon that they had been working on. And that took, a, and you know, between the stealth technology they have and the weapon, it was using all of their fuel, so they had no fuel to go to warp. Or whether it was that they couldn't go warp. And it definitely, to me, seemed like they couldn't go to warp speed. Which is interesting and sort of makes me wonder, did the Romulans have warp before this? Because I'm not sure. And warp or other kinds, because I don't know if it's just this ship is a prototype and the rest of their species could be sending ships at warp speed towards this location right now. But that's never really brought up as a threat, which makes me feel like the Federation, at least at this point, has the perspective that they don't have warp-capable ships. Which kind of makes me wonder why they see them as such a threat, but then again, I guess, if you see them coming, it's one thing, but you've still got to stop them. I don't know how many ships Starfleet actually has at this point. If the Romulans sent enough ships, even if they were coming slow, they would probably still be a significant threat. They would still eventually arrive, and they're going to kill you when they get there. So I guess I can see why they're still a threat. But it is interesting, you would think the capability of going at that speed in space, where there's such vast distances, would make a huge difference. Like, I don't really get why the Federation's worried about the Romulans all that much, if they can't go that speed. It just feels like that's such a negative for a society that I don't know how you could see it as a threat, but they do. But anyway, so this prototype ship is testing out its weapons on the stations, and at this point, it's making its way through Spock's, you know, input. We get to see what they look like, all that. They quickly realize that the Enterprise has worked out where they are based on the transmission. The Centurion who sent that transmission is then dropped by two ranks and sent back to his post. And we see the Romulan captain, and he talks a bit about how he doesn't want a war. He says, we've succeeded in our mission. Yeah, great. Our mission to start a war where millions more will die. And you get this idea that he's this old, grizzled warrior. He's that old, wise general that has been fighting for so long that he no longer sees a purpose in fighting. He's good at it. He's obviously one of the best. And through the dialogue we work out, this ship is the flagship of the, Federa of the Romulan fleet just like the Enterprise is the flagship of the Federation fleet. So in a lot of ways, this guy is Kirk's equal in the Empire. So they're not just having a rivalry here as the ships sort of go at it, trying to outsmart each other, using the cloak and then firing, and Kirk working out the distance the weapon can travel. And then Kirk comes up with this interesting... We can't see them when they're cloaked, but if enough objects touch them while they're cloaked, it causes an effect that we can view in space. So he waits until they're getting near a comet, waits until the um, comet passes somewhere where the Romulan ship is, which causes an effect in space that he can then start firing at. Trying to make the ship waste its energy because Kirk is basically hoping they'll run out of power before they get home. He's banking on the fact that this ship only had enough fuel to complete its mission and get home and not much else. Which means if he engages it here and keeps engaging it and keeps it under pressure, it has to use its weapons, it has to do things... It either means the captain won't be able to fight back because he'll run out of fuel to get home if he does, or he has to fight back and he gets stuck. So Kirk is trying to stop a war by basically stopping this ship one way or the other from reaching the Romulan border. Now this captain has completed his mission, and he's, as he says, a creature of duty. He will do his duty. But he doesn't want to. He knows that his duty is going to lead to a war, and he keeps looking around his bridge seeing all the young soldiers and... Like I said, old wise general, he, seemed, he even makes a comment to the Centurion, we have fought in 
however many campaigns together, so battles or wars or conquests of some kind. So he's been around a while, he's done a lot of killing, and he's sort of looking at his crew like, I don't want to send all these young men off to die. He's lost faith with his government a little bit. Not quite enough to be disloyal, but he's disheartened with it. So he's doing things like, he doesn't want to start a war, so he's not firing the weapon all the time. It's funny because Kirk kind of is doing the same. He could be being more deadly, like at first he just mirrors the ship, doesn't actually fire at it straight away because he wants to see how it'll respond. Because he doesn't want to be the one to break the treaty. He doesn't want to fire on them. Just like the Romulan doesn't quite want to destroy them. But they both, because of their duty, end up having to fight each other. And it's this really interesting like mental fight where it keeps going between the two of them. Kirk's exhausted. He's exhausted. He's being thrown around. This Romulan captain's coming up with great plans. Like One of them is they go stealth. They wait until one of the enemy phases hits them. And then as it hits them, they blast all the tubes, all the torpedo tubes on their ship with debris that have been pre-done for their ship. So they must carry it in a cargo bay to look like their ship's been destroyed. He even dumped a body of some of his men that had died in plasma explosions and stuff. And they all left it there and then stealthed very quietly away. And then stopped. Which confused the shit out of Kirk because then he thought he destroyed them. They're sitting there scanning it and they're like, there's not... Spock's the one very quickly to go, well, I'm scanning it, Captain. There's not enough debris to make a whole ship. The body is real and the debris are real, but they're not from the ship. Which alerts them to this is a deception. It takes them a while. They end up working out where it is, though. He sort of just assumes where he would go if he was in the other position and fires these phases, and he's right. Now, they try that trick once more, except this time they put what looks like a thermonuclear device in there, which is kind of interesting. I think it's meant to be like a nuclear device, but a much larger one. The guy on the Romulan ship mentions that they use them for self-destruct, so they must be big enough to blow away a whole ship and, like, vaporize it, which means it could probably do damage to the, to the Enterprise. So he drops it in that field, and it does. It does some damage to the Enterprise, but again, Kirk manages to get around it. He tracks their ship and he fires again. And this time the Romulans, they're out of fuel. They've got no options. As his ship is being destroyed, like his ship's been hit a few times. He's lost most of his crew. His ship's on fire. He actually communicates with Kirk. (laughs) And he says, in another lifetime, we would have been friends, Captain. He said, we are so alike. I feel a kindred spirit in you. Neither of us wish to go to war. And yet we are both bound by our duty. And Kirk offers to save what's left of his crew. He says, prepare yourselves, we can beam you over, we can shelter you over, let us help you, let us save your lives. And he just looks at the screen and the Romulan says, no, that is not our way, Captain. And he turns around and he flips a switch and their ship explodes. Because that is the Romulans, they are defiant to the end. They are the sort of culture where if there are thousands of them in a ship, they would rather hit the self-destruct than be caught red-handed in some sort of action because now the Romulan Empire can claim well three three shuttle oh three stations on your side of the border were destroyed yes but I don't see a Romulan ship I don't see any debris from a Romulan we only have your word for that so unless you want to start a war over a lie you'd best back off and the Federation well it's true all they have is the word of the Enterprise which the Romulans just see as their word against mine Whereas if they had captured the prisoners and they had all the evidence, it would be different. And the Romulans are the sort of people where the state comes before me and they will self-destruct before they 
you know, fail their mission because they would rather die in keeping their state safe than live and cause humiliation and try again later. Because that's just sort of the fanatical people that they are. And I have to say, I love the Romulans. They're such a cool villain and a very underutilized one. Like, I like the Klingons. I like a lot of the other villains that we'll get a lot more of. But Romulans are just... They're such a unique empire. I really like them. I just... I wish they would get a bit more screen time in a cool way where they get to be villains. But anyway, I mean, they do come up a lot. I'm saying it as if they never come up. Don't worry. You are going to get a lot of Romulans, especially through Next Generation. And especially, funny enough, in later Deep Space Nine, there's quite a bit of Romulan stuff. But yeah... Anyway, I'll have a quick look. I don't think there was anything particularly interesting other than the Christian stuff. There's a Romulan plasma weapon that, they, like I mentioned, they use. It never really comes up again. I don't know if much came of that weapon. Maybe it was the first, like, tri-cobalt explosive devices or something that's bigger than a photon torpedo. There's a lot of weird weapons they fire later. This might have been a prototype of one of those. Uh, I mean, this is the first time we ever see proper cloaking technology being used, because that's a big thing with Romulans. They cloak. They're always, you know, spies, knives in the dark types. Even their battleships all cloak and show up when you least expect them for ambushes. Like I said, they're not a fly down towards your planet while firing their weapons type of species. They're a unstealthing in your atmosphere and firing on your planet, destroying your government with the first shot type of enemy. It's why they're so damn deadly, and it's why every interaction with them, as as um, Picard will put it later, is like a game of chess, always trying to outmaneuver each other at every move. But yeah, that's the Balance of Terror. That was our first introduction to Romulans. Oh, I will say, there was one sort of interesting thing about them. The guy that plays the Romulan captain will actually return later on in the show, not as the Romulan captain, but as Spock's father. And he will remain as Spock's father as a semi-recurring role throughout the movies, throughout the original series, and a fair bit of um, Next Generation as well, because Vulcans live a long time, so he's still around. So that actor that you would have seen if you've been watching this along with the list along with this while you've been listening, is um, actually someone who's going to be coming up a lot later. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. It's weird in hindsight now that I've just, especially so recently, watched an episode that he was in called Unification Part 1 and 2. I was uh, watching that myself, and he has a big part in that episode, and it was really weird seeing him play a Romulan back in this episode, like, barely a few hours after watching that. But anyway, thanks for coming by. Thanks for listening. This was a bit of a longer episode, but you know what? It was about the Romulans, and I know I took a week off. I just needed a break. Don't worry. I'm back. I'm going to upload this one today, and next week we'll be back with the next episode. Bye for now.